Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, agency owners. As someone that's run Google Ads for my own business, as well as on behalf of my clients, I know how time-consuming it can be to constantly be monitoring and optimizing those ads. I've got good news for you. There's a new tool called Optio that monitors your accounts for statistically significant patterns and suggests improvements that can push live to Google Ads in just a few seconds. Improvements help you manage keywords, test ads, and optimize bids. Get your time back. Let the machines do the heavy lifting. Check out optio.com slash yougurus and get started with a six-week extended free trial. That's optio.com slash yougurus. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are hanging out with Jason Resnick. Jason helps freelancers discover their niche, plan out a, and market for themselves to build recurring revenue, stay in the feast so they can live the life that they want and ultimately reach the goals of why they started their business in the first place. Jason has his own web development firm. He's been running for about the last decade. Uh, he's helped well over 100 clients on uh, with that business, and he's helped several of those clients uh, reach seven figures or more in revenue uh, through his uh, development services for them. Jason, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brent. Excited to be here. Yeah, very cool. So, so you're um, tell me a little bit about your business makeup today. Are you still running the client services side of your business? I know you've got your yes. uh, res.com, which is really more your freelancer kind of training and coaching business, um, but you're still running your client services business to this day? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's been the bread and butter for the past decade and even before that part-time while I was still working full-time. But yeah, I don't ever see me getting away from that. That's what I love to do. It's who I love to serve. And, uh, you know, for me, I feel that if I, if I'm trying to help developers nowadays in the coaching side of things, I kind of need to be doing it too. So that's, I'm never going to get away from the services side. So uh, kind of paint me a picture of the, the client services business today. Is it, is it still just you? I mean, what's, what's kind of your, your team makeup? What's your ideal customer look like? Sure. So the ideal customer is an established online business, essentially selling something. I like to align myself. I've always aligned myself with e-commerce sites, but that could really mean that could, anybody taking a transaction online. So it could be nonprofits, could be online coaches, people selling digital or physical goods. But I help them get more customers, get repeat customers and create raving fans uh, through behavioral marketing, automation, as well as on-site personalization. And really what I do for them is help them get customers faster. And that's really the sweet spot. So if somebody is looking to try and figure out how, when they get an opt-in into their newsletter, their offer, their coupon, whatever it is, how can how fast can we get them to actually buy something? And that's my sweet spot. That's what I help my customers do. And, you know, my team makeup is mostly myself. I, I'm a developer though. So when I need design work, I have design folks that I can bring onto the team. I have ad folks that I can bring onto the team when those projects hit those points. Now, most developers don't speak any of the language that you just spoke. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Can we just call attention to that, right? Like, like you talked about a lot of like, you know, 
like talking about like behavioral, you know, marketing, uh, how to get customers faster, like how to approach this from a, like when somebody's opting in, how do we get them vibe I and mean, all, all the stuff that you just talked about is something that I would hear, I would expect to hear from the mouth of a, you know, a digital marketer or somebody that's, you know, focused on, you know, just like the, the high level strategy uh, on the funnels and whatnot, but, but you're coming to this, this type of topic or solution, this results through the lens of being a developer. So mm-hmm. where did that start? Cause I mean, I, I've hired a lot of developers. I've worked with a lot of developers and this is, this is like a pain point of a lot of businesses is developers like to do developer things and they don't always like to get into the marketing or, you know, into to some of the more results-based stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to your point. Yes. That's why I work with a lot of developers and I know the language that they speak is not the language of business. And for me, I, just who I am as a person, I've always been interested in human behavior. Just even, I've just been very observant, you know, even at a young age, like late teens and into college and things of that nature, like just to, to pay attention to how humans act and behave and things of that nature. And when I started my career and now, this goes back into the late nineties, the e-commerce was so new. People were afraid to put their credit cards on the web. Right? Like, I mean, now we just, you know, we have them stored and people just ding the card and all the rest of it. But back then you had to make it such that the page that they were looking at was so trustworthy, even more like locks and badges and everything else going on. And all of the positions around that stuff, you had to get that person to pull out their wallet and put their their card into the screen. That was the, that was the first time I was like, hey, this... DNA of me trying to figure out human behavior, I could probably apply to my professional career. And so I always wanted to try to figure out from a developer standpoint, I mean, I love code. I love to be able to create uh, something from an abstract thought, right? And that's what we do as developers is somebody comes up with an idea, uh, we put it on in code and then on the web, there's something that somebody can click on and something happens, right? And so if I can marry those two, which I have, and even when I worked full-time, my directors and VPs that were above me, they were like, hey, you're different. (laughs) You're like a little (laughs) Like we could bring you into sales meetings and things. Like you could talk geek, but you can also talk the language of business. You could talk human, you can translate things. And so I was a quote unquote sales engineer, you know, my last position as a full-timer, but I've taken that skill to the next level and trying to really solve problems from the perspective of my clients and what are they trying to accomplish? Because I, I, what I do from a code perspective is while it's good and I could sell it, right? Ultimately, the problem that they're speaking, like they want to get that first purchase because there's a finite window of euphoria when somebody lands on a brand and they like it and they start absorbing all of the information in and around that brand. They want to capitalize on that as quickly as possible. So how do I do that from code? Well, I take data and I connect the two and present language or present a product or present an article that's centered around the motivation and the intent of the person that's actually going to consume this. And so that's, that's kind of where my head's at is like, you know, 
two sides of the brain kind of talk to each other, I guess, if you will. But for me, it's just natural because that that's how I've always been. Well, and and like if you're a developer at a, at a major company and you're not that kind of, or you have not developed that business acumen, as, as you kind of said that you're a, a developer that can also speak, you know, business or they're, they're comfortable putting you, uh, in front of, uh, in front of the clients, right. They, they let you out of the back, the back room, uh, you know, the, where the lights are <laughs> off and like the, you know, the RGB keyboards are all like lit up, uh, right, and they right. actually let you, you know, sit in front of the customers. I mean, you can be a developer at, at a big business and you can kind of shield yourself from having to, you know, you can kind of let the business people do that. But I do Mm -hmm. feel like if you're a developer and you're running your own practice, it's a lot more difficult to have that luxury or at least have that luxury and get paid what you're worth in any kind of meaningful way. And, and we see this all the time when, when, when we're talking to, you know, small web dev, dev shops where, you know, they are just very focused on the technical aspect of things and they really struggle to understand the value and impact of their work. But they also struggle to, I think, really figure out what is making their clients, you know, make these investments and connect their work to the results. You know, so, so for you, like, what were some of the things that you realized when you went out on your own that you had to, uh, you know, how did you start applying this when when it came to picking up your own clients? Yeah. Um, to your point, you had to be present. You had to be in front, you know, while I'm an introvert, you know, I have introverted tendencies, which I, I was talking with a friend of mine and she basically just said that that just means that you get energy from being alone doesn't mean you can't do extroverted things like sales and marketing and be the face of a company and things of that nature. Uh, and it made total sense to me. And so a lot of developers, and like, as you pointed out, would much rather sit in a dark room with the, you know, the RGB lights and things of that nature. And I'm and probably going to get emails about how that's a terrible stereotype <laughs> and that's not how people work, but you know, I'm or having a coffee shop or wherever. Right. And so, I mean, for for me, that's when I realized because I struggled in my business the first two years. Um, in fact, I started in the early 2000s where 18 months into doing my own thing, I had to go get another job because I didn't do that. And I still struggled with it when I left in 2010 to start my own business, right? And so, you know, it was a matter of really just saying to myself, hey, look, I need to understand the language of the people that are going to buy my service. I need to know what their pain points are, how they talk about the thing, where they look for a solution, what they think that their solution could be, and basically diagnose things for them and present a solution to them in a way that made sense to them. Like in my head, I can go and go as deep into the ones and zeros as as anybody wants, right? But most times business owners don't care. They just want to know that it can be done and they want proof that it can be done. And if you could show that, that's all they want. They want to know that you can deliver the results that you say you can and the ones that they want. And so for me, I had to learn. And and when I say learn, it's not all that hard because you just pick up a phone and have a conversation for 10 or 15 minutes with existing clients and just say, hey, what is it about your site, your application, your mobile app, whatever you're working on? What is it about that isn't working for you and your business? 
and just let them run with it because they're going to complain. They're going to let you know, right? And just hear the words that they say and pick up on patterns after you have several of these conversations and see if you can fill a gap there. And you can turn that back onto your own website. And instead of looking at every other develop, looking like every other developer's website out there or develop shop site out there where you're talking about features, talk about benefits, talk about the pain points, talk about those sort of things that your clients are actually going to search for. I find that a lot of people that are in that developer seat, as you kind of pointed out, introverts, and, and just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you can't you know, spend an hour contacting people. Just make sure that you you bookend that time with you know reading a book or watching, uh, you know your favorite show on Netflix or whatever it is that that's your alone time. Um, but but what is the advice or insight you could give to encouraging that person to pick up the phone and and, and commit to learning that? stuff about their clients. Cause I, you know, I see this all the time that, you know, we can sit there and say, Oh yeah, call your clients and say, you know, what isn't working for your business and then listen. But I find a lot of people, especially the, the, the people we're talking about, the solo developers really, really struggle with just that, that one action of, of taking the leap to actually have a conversation with our clients. And, and there's a lot of uncomfortableness around that of, you know, mm-hmm. well, what if, what if they tell me they're not happy with my work or what if, you know, what if they, you know, tell me something that I can't do or like, you know, there's all these like thoughts that I think come up in, 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 in people's minds with that. So any, any insight on how they can kind of get the, the courage to start making that a part of how they think about their business? Sure. I mean, from my experience, and I can only speak from that, right? And what I've shared with other developers and how I've approached it is, is like, look, I, with my own wedding, I had to get myself into the mindset three days prior, right? Like, and that's my friends and family that are going to be there. But to be the center of attention wasn't something, isn't something that I like to do, right? So whatever you need to do to put yourself in a spot, a good place, mindset wise, to have a 10 minute phone call conversation and go into it, like load it up front, you know, over communicate up front saying, Hey, look, I just, I don't want to talk about the project that we're working on right now. I just kind of want to ask you a few questions. And you can be as open as you want, uh, be as closed as you want, be as honest as you want. Just diffuse the whole apprehension sort of thing and say, look, there's no strings attached, no expectations from this call. I just want to have a conversation. I want to learn a little bit more about your business. And that's it, right? And like when you diffuse all of the things around that, that you're imposing on your own objections on why this call is scary in the first place, it just takes that weight off because it's like, hey, they're not going to expect anything on the back of this call. You're not expecting anything on the back of this call. And you're just trying to put your mind at ease of, hey, look, this 15-minute call that I'm going to have with them is going to benefit me so much more in the long term than these sort of self-imposed objections that I have going into this and why I shouldn't do this in the first place. That's, that's awesome. I I love those nuggets. I mean, if you're, if you're kind of currently in that, in that, uh, space and you haven't yet had these types of conversations in our community, we call it customer development. Uh, but just, just having that time to, to, to learn about your customer, I think is insanely valuable. Hey, what's up podcast listeners. 
Are you a web agency or freelance web designer that's trying to add recurring revenue profits by offering your clients SEO services? Well, I've got good news for you. There's a new service that is basically the design pickle for white label SEO. Their team hooks you up with unlimited SEO tasks for one monthly fee. You got to check them out at seobrothers.co forward slash gurus. They're giving our listeners 50% off their first month and an awesome money back guarantee. That's seobrothers.co forward slash gurus. All right, let's get back to our interview. What do you think for the solo dev? I mean, what's what is the ideal business model for them as a freelance? Like I'm a, you know, if you're, if you're out there and you're a, a solopreneur, you don't really have, you have no intention of having like a big team or a big agency. Um, but you're just kind of, you know, maybe as you said earlier, maybe you might leverage some contractors from time to time. But I mean, what is kind of the ideal business model for the, the solo dev? Is it to get kind of hooked up with like one whale client and get all your business that way? Is it good to have more of a specialized position in the marketplace, have lots of clients that you serve at a little level? I mean, what do you see right now as kind of the, the, the thing that you advocate to your, your clients? Well, I don't advocate having one whale client because if that whale client gets bought out, changes guard, decides that they don't want to do this anymore, you're done, right? So I don't advocate for that. But to that to that other side of the coin there, I have clients that definitely are a bigger pot in my revenue than, than other clients. But from my comfort level, I like to disperse that as much as I can. And I don't want it to disperse it too thinly where I have to work with a hundred different clients at any given time. I just want to work with the number of clients that I can deliver 110% for and deliver on the things that I say. And deliver on the chronic problems that I help them with. And that why I say chronic problems is, is that you really want to identify who it is that you help, the problem that you're solving for them. And then the sweet spot is, is finding out if that problem is recurring, right? Does it come up from time to time again? Um, and this could be anything from you know, building out, you know, holiday campaigns or things of that nature, or it could be something where you're doing data integrations on the back end for their POS and inventory systems or things of that nature, right? So whatever the sweet spot for you, whatever you're interested in, I would then go ahead and diagnose that, that problem first, Right? Figure out what problem you solve and see if there's a market out there to solve this problem over and over again. Yeah, I mean, you can basically look to see if there's a already like a, a, a bunch of other agencies or companies solving this problem. That's a good indication that this problem exists and there's enough of it out there that there is business for it. And then two, see if it's something where you could kind of fill a gap that they're not doing. And when you fill that gap, you can sort of plant your flag as being that go-to person in that space. I love that. I mean, I, you know, I love having that insight of looking for some proof in the marketplace. Are other people doing this as not a discouraging factor, but an encouraging factor that you're on the right track, that other people are thinking about this in the same way that you are uh, versus you having to be like the, the trailblazer and having to invest like a ton of time or energy or, or even going after something that's not really a real opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I mean, being a trailblazer has its benefits, but the thing is, is like you want to build a business that is going to be sustainable as well, right? And so, if there is 
a platform out there that you that you enjoy working on. Like, I, you know, several years ago, I worked on Drip. A lot of that stuff was their, their API was more robust than most out there uh, for my ideal client. It worked. I was able to bring in subscriber data onto their website and change things around based on that information. Well, as they were growing, and Drip is an a email marketing platform, as they were growing, their support team was overwhelmed, let's say. And what I wound up doing was just answering questions on social media that were complaining about Drip's support team. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to get work from that. But what that did was as Drip's uh, support, and I love that platform for what it was. Uh, and, and I was just trying to fill a gap that you know, hey, Drip can do this stuff. You know, there, here's the doc, or here's an article that I found online, or here's an article that I wrote about this thing. It might be useful to you. And there was plenty of times where I would say, I'm not an employee of Drip. I'm just trying to help. You know, and I wound up getting a lot of clients from that just because I was contributing and essentially supporting that platform. Um, and so I've, you know, I've done that several times with, you know, various plugins in the WordPress space, ConvertKit, things of that nature, because those are the tools that I use in my every day. And so if I could do that, then there is the market there and I'm just sort of filling the gap. Yeah, I think that's super insightful. I mean, we, we did the same thing with, uh, uh, Adobe business catalyst back in the day that they're, you know, they, they, they were a software platform and, and a lot of people went to their support for, you know, services, right. They were trying to get them to, uh, you know, build their websites for them or whatnot. Right. So there's plenty of complaints online about, you know, their people not getting what they needed. So we, you know, instead of complaining, we just started to, you know, build products around that. Right. Um, and I think that that, you know, and, and the other piece, Jason, that you brought up was just, you know, looking at those platforms. So as a developer, I mean, those are kind of captive audiences. So there's, you know, Drip is going through the, you know, the 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 challenge of scaling up their platform and acquiring customers. If you can just kind of like scooch in there and add value, then you can get to kind of ride that wave without having to go and and make that large investment that they're already making. Yeah, and what I what I and as a side effect of that, they noticed, right? And so they started referring me their customers that were getting asked for certain custom mm. work that they're not going to do there and they're not ever going to do because they're focused on the product. They don't want to deal with the one-offs. So then they started to say, Hey, go talk to Jason. Right. And he can probably help you, or maybe he knows somebody that can. And so as a side effect, they were sending me leads into my business and they were, you know, good leads because it was highly focused on what I do anyway. As part of my intro of you, you know, I had this sentence that, that you gave us that is so they can live the life that they want and ultimately reach the goals of why they started their, their own business in the first place. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that started their business for a reason and then have gotten mired down in, in, in kind of the details, in the minutia, especially the solo practitioners who essentially create a job for themselves. Uh, right. Oftentimes, and they stop, you know, they don't, they don't really end up creating a business um, out of this. So, so a couple of questions there. One is, is um, you know, how, how do you let somebody kind of rediscover like why they got in this uh, in the first place? I just try to take them back. Like, what was the point? Why did you want to start your own business? And most times it's, it, it, well, all the time it's not to say because I want to work more. It's like family, 
travel. I want to work with this certain industry. I want to work on these kinds of projects. You have to keep that why of what you do front and center always. Because that, I mean, for me, that's always going to point me in the right direction for any opportunity, for any decision that I have to make, any gut check that I have to have, you know, based around business decisions. Because that why for me, if if I say, okay, then is this going to take me away from this? Then the answer is no, right? And so I always try to encourage people to say, look, you know, while you do have to pay the bills, you have to keep the lights on, whatever it is, especially in starting out. So you may have to have some sacrifices there. But once you start getting those ideal clients, once you start growing your business, maybe even hiring one or two people get, or, or bringing contractors and things of that nature, really understand the more that you grow, that your why is even more important so that you don't get bogged down in the minutiae, the details, and essentially creating job for yourself where you're working 20 hours a day. And, and I think it's easy to create a business that you end up not wanting because other people are doing it. You know, if, if, you know, you see a lot of people online like, Oh, create a seven figure business or this or that. Right. And I think for a lot of people that's, you know, maybe they start doing that kind of thing or they start running their business in a certain way. Maybe it's hiring employees or, or kind of creating, you know, getting an office or whatever. I mean, you know, you, you see other people doing it and then you're like, Oh, well I'm going to do that too. Right. And then, you know, you work on that really hard and five years later, you're like, wait a minute, I, I don't even have a business that I like. You know, right, right. Yep. And I've, I've had conversations with, with more than a handful of people that did that. They wanted to grow an agency. They grew an agency, got an office, hired 10, 20 people, and then realized one day down the road, they're like, what happened here? This isn't what I wanted. This isn't where I went. Like, and then tear it all down and go find themselves right <laughs> and is that is that the 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 advice at that point of well i guess it's time to to reboot i mean is there any kind of uh insight to if if somebody's out there and they have built a business that they're maybe not super happy about or you know is there any kind of you know guiding light for them uh i mean that guiding light's got to come from you right like i don't know that i could tell anybody what to do at that point in time i mean you know matt inglot who i had on my podcast he went and he built that right and he said that he just basically wound down the agency he didn't take on new clients he tried to get the employees new jobs things of that nature he just knew that the business that he built <laughs> wasn't the business that he wanted to build and so he was just going to tear it down. Other people that I've talked to, he they've sold, right? They just sold it off. They exited. And so I think it comes down to you as a person. And, and you know, obviously, you know, if you have partners, right? Like if you, you can't just do whatever you want to do, you have to make sure that your partner's on board with it too, right? And so you have to kind of try to figure out what that looks like for you. If you just created a job after five years of, you know, you grew your business and then all of a sudden you realize one day you woke up and the world we live in, it's your prerogative to up and leave, right? Like, you know, you could just do what you want to do really, I guess. But, you know, how you approach that quote unquote tear down and how you handle that, I mean, that's evident of the type of person that you are, at least in my opinion. 
Second part of my question was around the solo operator and treating their business as more of an asset, as a business and not a job. Uh, I think as a solo practitioner, that is probably a really big challenge that people face because they're they're the business. You know, people are hiring them to go in and build the integrations and do this and that. Any tips or tactics for how they can start to really think about their own practice as more of a as an asset that maybe could be, you know, sold or maybe that is able to generate revenue with without their direct involvement? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier is like your why. So for me, why I have my business is so that I can be home with family, you know, see my son's first steps, hear their first words, that sort of thing. That's why I built the business. Um, so that I had that time, freedom, and flexibility to do that. And so for thinking about my opportunities and business decisions and things of that nature, you know, it, I've been presented with offers to be acquired and things of that nature. And I always go back to, okay, well, what does that look like for my why? Right. And so for me in trying to shape my business, it's all based around my time. Right. And so what's going to free me up so that I can then go ahead and spend some time with my sons and my wife. And so if I get an opportunity to be acquired and then I have to be punching the clock, let's say, well, then I might as well just go get a full-time job somewhere. Right. And then I have less responsibility, but I know I can leave the work there. Right. And so those sort of things come to mind. I think you have to reflect on those sort of key performance indicators of what success means to you. Right. And so for me, as long as I have time that I can do the things that I want to do, have, have the clients that understand those sort of things. And while yes, yeah, I have to do the work. We have launches. I have to go by their business timelines and things of that nature. But for the most part, I do have the time to take off on a Tuesday afternoon because it's nice outside and we want to take our son somewhere. Right. And so you know, I can do that without it sacrificing the business, right? And so I think you have to kind of try to figure out what that looks like for you. Can I sell my business? Probably if, you know, the right company out there was willing to take that and they have, right? But at the same time, it's it wasn't going to be for ultimately what I wanted as my own asset. Jason, this has been a super fascinating conversation. I really appreciate the insights you've shared about your own story and uh, to help our audience, the, those you know, solar designers, developers, even marketers, you know, think about their business in a, in, a, in a more effective way and get more of what they want out of the business. I think that's a powerful message and, and appreciate uh, you sharing that with us today. Are you ready for our lightning round? Absolutely. Let's do it. Jason, what is the best advice you've ever received? Whew, that's good. Um, best advice that I've ever received is focus in on what's important for the long term for you, your family, and your business in that order. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? My Sunday morning weekly review. Can you share an internet resource or tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Pipe drive. What book would you recommend and why? To be honest with you, I, I, this year I read Atomic Habits by James Clear. And what was great about that book was because he just talks about doing the small thing 
over and over again to create that habit. And the small little wins that you get of that momentum land in bigger wins in the long term. Very nice. Well, we will link out to James's book as well as Pipe Drive and have lots of other key takeaways and quotables uh, over at our show notes pages, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this episode right after it came out, uh, you can click on Jason's uh, picture and his his episode, and you'll find uh, this episode for you with all those great goodies. If you're on a run or in the car, definitely check that out, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Jason, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Sure. Uh, I'm always open to a conversation. You can find me on Twitter at Rez, and that's with three Zs, or head on over to my website, and uh, I've got a ton of resources over there, as well as my podcast, too. Uh, That's Rez.com, again, with three Zs. Very cool. Well, Jason, we will link out to res.com uh, as well as the other links that you shared with us today on our show notes page. As I said earlier, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. You guys can check out Jason's website. We'll also probably dig up some of your social profiles, make it super easy for our listeners to uh, start stalking you immediately if they uh, if they so <laughs> desire. So uh, Jason, thank you so much for uh, being on our program today. No, thanks for having me. This was, this was awesome. We've got to do it again. Awesome. All right. Listeners, that is our episode of this week of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming at you to help you grow your digital agencies so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 